But at that point, I was just so fed up. And what I think it is, is having the self-awareness that brings on the ability to just make a decision, deciding that this is not what I will live with anymore. This is not how I want to feel anymore. Because you, you might, it might sound like, like it, it, it kind of happened in an instant, but this was, these were thoughts that I would get on a day-to-day -day basis of, of this feels terrible. You know, the, the thoughts that would come up through my ego, you know, this sucks. Like every, everything is, 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 uh, is so gray and dark and, and gloomy. And so at that point, it's just, I got so aware of it by seeing my body and, and looking down at my body that moment and, and recognizing how painful it was and how much pain that I was putting through my body. And I think at that moment, it was just a, a moment of having some self-love and, and recognizing that you're here for a reason. You're here for a greater purpose. And what you're doing to yourself in this moment is not serving you in any way. And by having that self-awareness, it aided me to just make a decision. That's Sandy Vo, and I'm Brian Falchuk. The Do A Day Podcast. Will you hear from the most inspiring people who have been through hard times, overcome them, and have turned around to help others with what they've learned? I'm your host, Brian Falchuk. I know because I've lived it myself. I've written about it in my book, Do A Day, and that's why I'm bringing you this show. Remember, today's a new day. Go out and do it. Hey, day doers, welcome to another episode of the Do A Day podcast. My guest today is Sandy Vo. Sandy is a meditation specialist, coach. Uh, I'm, I'm struggling for words other than just amazingly beautiful person. She's really deep. She's really um, connected with what matters most in life, and that's values, and that's clarity and trying to help people bring peace and uh, and a better understanding of themselves to their life. I know these things may not sound tangible, but it's all actually very, very real. And there's a reason why she's focused on this. And when you hear her story, when you are walking through that journey with her, you may not be able to see how she could get to the place where she got. There's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of turmoil. Uh, there's a lot of struggle and destruction, and then there's a very powerful rebirth through finding meditation, finding herself, and dedicating her life to that path, and it's, un it's just unbelievably beautiful. So we will get into the show in a moment, and you can hear Sandy's message and her journey in her own words. Before we do that, just a reminder, this show only exists for you and to keep it going, I need your help. I need subscriptions, I need reviews, I need spreading the word, anything you can do to help spread the message of Do A Day to help other people get inspired. This is one of those episodes that people need to hear. And the more you can do to help spread that message, the better, the more helpful it is. And to help you as well, I put a ton of resources out there, including my big goal exercise that I know I mention a lot, but it's really valuable. It's a great way to get started on the journey and you can always get it for free at doadaybook.com slash the exercise. So enough self-promotion. Let's get into this episode with Sandy Vo. Sandy Vo, thank you so much for joining me today on the Do A Day podcast. It means the world to have you on to share your story. Of course, it's such a pleasure to be here. I'm honored. Um, I was saying, you know, before we started recording, you had me on your show and, and it was great to be on it. And I didn't even realize the depth of your story. And as you shared that with me through email, I was totally speechless. And I was just saying to you how thankful I was we weren't doing that live because I you would have been like, the phone just got disconnected. Like I couldn't speak. <laughs> and I think even I waited, I don't know, five or 10 minutes to email you back and uh, I still like couldn't, I just couldn't process, um, which is kind of a, that's the best I can do to set this up because it's such a, a deep story. You've been through a lot. And I have to say, talking to the you of today, it never would have entered my mind. I think this is why I was speechless because I was so floored and surprised by how much you've been through that never would have crossed my mind looking at the kind of person you are today, the peace, the beauty, the inspiration that you bring now. Um, you have been through some serious things and uh, where you've gotten to as a result of that, it's unbelievably inspiring. And I think gives a lot of hope because you, you know, 
your firsthand experience that you can still get to this beautiful place in life, no matter what you go through. Mm, And, you know, your response taught me a lot because I think when you get to a place where the story that you share is part of your past and you share it often as a way to engage and communicate with other people and, and get the message out there, you get really comfortable with sharing that story. Mm. And so the, the response that I got from you, um, just shows that your story, whoever's listening right now is powerful and, um, it's your credential through life. And, the more that you can speak about it and and detach yourself from the story, but also share that story, the more that we can connect to each other and really understand who we are as humans behind the roles that we play in our day-to-day lives. So yeah. um, I thank you for, for sharing that. Um, I feel like there's a whole path now that is a discussion without actually hearing your stories. <laughs> I want to get into your story, but <laughs> it does. I'll, I'll say one more thing before we go back to it. Um, it, it's a reminder to me that we all have something profound and while we may get to a place where it's, it's not nothing to us, but you know, like you're saying, like you tell it a number of times, you get more comfortable with it. Um, I know, you know, I I've told my story and, and what was an incredibly painful moment of transformation for me. That I don't, you know, it's not like I start crying and everything every time I tell it, but I know when I did it um, for TEDx, like, I think people can tell in the video, I actually do get choked up. And, you know, at that point, I had been sharing it on podcasts and and in my book and on the radio and stuff for close to a year. Um, So it's like sometimes you get that little reminder that there's there's a lot of power in this. But from a listener standpoint, you know, from a a reader of the email you sent me, I can guarantee you whatever comfort you've come to with it, there's a lot of power in that story and a lot of um, value to take away. Absolutely. Absolutely. So so rather than, uh, I feel like we could wrap up the conversation. I was kind of summed it up, but no, we have to get through the story because that's, that's so huge. So I want to, let's touch on just, you know, somewhat briefly, but tell us a little bit about who you are today and what you're trying to to do through your work right now. And then we'll build back into this whole journey that we've been sort of dancing around, but that led you to this place. Absolutely. So today I am a trained meditation teacher, a visibility expert, and a transformational speaker. And through the major adversities that I face, which included having depression, I learned how to overcome all of that by practicing something that what I was unaware of at the time, and that's ancient holistic modalities. Um, so instead of searching for what was outside of me, I started seeking within. And today I specialize in integrating these ancient modalities and wisdom and tools with modern day living, seeing that it's been around for thousands and thousands of years. And my work stems from the world's oldest health and wellness tradition. Um, and this, this link is carried through by the AMI meditation. And I'll, I'll share it a little bit in the story later, but uh, today I work with a national clientele base of students and leaders and professionals who are therapists, who are entrepreneurs, who are leaders, who are creative freelancers, holistic experts, and individuals who are on that spiritual path of surrendering to their highest expression and who it is that they truly are at their core. So um, that's what I do today. And I'm a huge believer in humans and and our ability to integrate the two worlds that we live in, our yeah. outer worlds, um, where we think, we speak, we act with our inner world of wisdom. And, and that's when you see the human and the spirit really connect and be in the world, but not of the world. All right. So this is, this is where for me, it was like, I hear all that. I see what you're doing and I don't expect the backstory because that sounds like someone who grew up in a very peaceful, calm, um, more Eastern tradition kind of existence and hasn't gone through real, like you mentioned depression. And I think some people hear that and they know the the depth of it. And some people hear that and they 
maybe think it's an overused term and they're like, oh, so she was sad. There's a lot more to it than that. And mm-hmm. um, that's what I want to get into. Like, it, I, I'm still so floored by it. So I want to step back and let you tell your story. But can you walk us through because it started really early. What is what is the path that led you to what is an incredibly Zen and helpful place that you're in right now? Absolutely. So I grew up in a very happy immigrant household, and I was always very inspired by my family because uh, they never held back from th- their kids, you know, what they went through while they were living in Vietnam. My mother was a, um, she's half African American, half Vietnamese. She was a product of the Vietnam War. And she's considered an Amerasian. She's one of the children that uh, never knew who her father was. And, you know, at the time, my grandmother was a nurse during one of the camps there and fell in love with uh, a man. And and the most that I know about this man, who is my grandfather, is that his name was Bill. Um, and, and that was the most that I knew. And I was very inspired by this because my mom lived a very difficult life in Vietnam being half African American. You are not respected there. And, you know, she would go to school and there would be these, these plants that were really sticky and they would throw it in her hair. It's kind of like Velcro plants. And because her hair was not, you know, silky and smooth, like all the other Vietnamese people, they would throw it in her hair and it would get stuck there and she would have to shave it off. And aside from that, she endured a lot of abuse from her own family. Her mother told her, you know, you know, keep keep a distance from me at least 20 feet when we're walking out in public. And even hearing this as a young child, I was probably like 10 years old the first time I heard about this. It triggered so much in me to 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 lead the best life that I could because my this is what my parents came here for for me to do and my dad on the other hand lived a life of so much poverty he was one out of 13 children and um he was the the baby of the family and he would share stories about eating out of uh, a bowl that had water and rice and salt in it and that would be their meals And so you can imagine as a young kid um, what my parents wanted to instill in me that, you know, you have this opportunity and, um, you know, go out and get it. And so I was always a very good student in school, um, you know, honors AP. uh, And I think from the outside looking in and, and really from the inside looking out, I was a very happy child, very vibrant, danced, sang all the time. And. Um, definitely brought the party to wherever I went, you know, family gatherings. Um, I would just really, really be this vibrant energy. And all of that started to change when the economic crisis hit in 2008. So up until this point, my parents had worked really hard to make sure that they were providing for our, for us, our family. And, uh, and so that they, they started to build their business and they had a very successful business. But when the economic crisis hit in 2008, it hurt the business tremendously. And my mom wanted my dad to go find work in a different state, seek other job opportunities. My dad was okay with just staying here and and doing what they could to work through it. And so, you know, eventually my dad left and he never came back. And so when when that happened, it was such a, it was the beginning of a deep depression for me that I didn't know that I had. Yeah. I have a very close relationship with my father. Um, you know, we were both born on the same exact day, October 25th. And, uh, he was, he was the one that instilled this sense of wisdom inside of me. Every time we would go for car rides to the grocery store, um, or, or just our mini trips that we would get alone together, we would just talk life. And, and I would just be so fascinated by all of the things that I was able to learn from my father because of the path that he's gone on so far. And so when that happened, I was, I was completely just confused. And we, we even came, we even flew over to the States to 
um, where my father was, he was in Washington at the time, to, to really just see what was going on. Maybe if he, he sees his children again, then maybe something will change in him. Maybe he'll maybe he'll remember who we are and that he's our father and that we love each other and we're supposed to be together. And um, I remember one of the moments that, that really changed me uh, and, and, and built this tough wall inside of me was the moment when I saw my father and um, he was actually with another woman and she was waiting for him outside the house. I was inside the house and he, he had came home for, for a moment. We had moved, so we had moved over there hoping to get our father back. From Hawaii? No, so we're... we moved from Massachusetts, where the business oh. was, to Washington. Okay, I thought you were so, coming from the other side. All right. Right. So we had moved from Massachusetts to Washington, which is on the other side. Yeah, of the yeah. United For States, some... right? Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, I do get that I look Hawaiian. So no, I just, I, I think it's every background I've seen you in is like tropical, and I'm thinking, <laughs> all right, never mind. Okay, so, wow. So he's, he's can yeah. I just ask, when yeah. he left, like, was there was that it no contact or was he still in contact just not coming back like did you still talk to him he wasn't no he wasn't even in contact so that's when we so started you totally replaying. lose him at that point yeah wow mm-hmm. and and it's just we were just so confused so we we actually packed our bags and went there you know our house got foreclosure they lost their business we had lost everything at that point and we wanted to get our father back and i remember that moment you know, his, his girlfriend was sitting outside in the car and he, she had dropped him off at the place that we were staying because we wanted him to come and we wanted to talk. And I remember begging him to just come home and uh, telling him that, you know, we, we need you. I mean, it was my mother and my two younger siblings. And I remember at that moment, just seeing this glare on his face where I couldn't even recognize who he was anymore. Yeah. And I I remember holding onto his ankle and begging him not to leave. And I said, if you leave, I'm going to jump out that window. I just said whatever I could and, and evoked whatever emotion I, I could for him to feel that I need him in my, in my life. And, and he walked away. I, with my hands on his ankle, he just continued to walk away. And that was a very tough moment for me. And, um, after that, you know, my mom had moved to New York to start, start over and went through her own troubles. And it was during that time where the depression was really beginning to deepen. And then I found out that my cousin who was like a big sister to me, you know, even as I was going through all of this with my dad, it was really nice. Cause I was able to have her to talk to you and yeah. she was two years older than me. And so the conversations that she would share with me were just very enlightening and inspiring. She introduced me to God on a very deeper level. And, um, you know, God, God to me today is, is more so a concept. You know, God is the divine reality, is the universe. But, you know, it, it was important because that moment I learned that there's a greater force than just me. It's not just me alone. Mm. And so she was huge in my life. And I had found out that she got diagnosed with cancer and she was living down in Virginia at the time. So I remember being in high school. I was in, I was 18. I was in, um, I remember taking like an AP course. And as soon as I heard that she got diagnosed with cancer, I, I asked to just leave and drive down to Virginia to see her and take care of her in the hospital. And that was exactly what I did. I would miss school, um, to spend time with her in the hospital. She was told that she only had six months left to live. And so for that, for a lot of that time, I, I spent going up and down, up and down from New York to Virginia to see her and be with her. And, and, uh, despite what the doctors told her, she was able to surpass the six months and she lived, for an additional two years. And uh, eventually it was around 2010. I was, I graduated high school at the time and I was headed into college. It was the summer of heading into college. I got a phone call that uh, Lena didn't make it and she passed away at 20 years old from this, this leukemia. That was the cancer that she had. And everything just went downhill from there. I share that I experienced three different losses in my life. 
all around the same time. Yeah. First, the first loss was my father, which was a very huge loss in my life, especially being someone that that had this sense of connectedness and togetherness with family. And then the second loss was my cousin, who was like this big sister to me. And the third and probably the most devastating loss was myself. I got to this place while I was in college where you know, instead of being that girl that studied and, you know, did the things that I had to do to keep this vision of making sure that I, I live the successful life that my parents have set up for me, um, I started going downhill. I started to eat terribly. My diet was terrible. I got really into alcohol. I got into drugs. I hung out with people that weren't really serving to me at the time and um, that were pretty toxic that instigated me to do certain things. And, and I, I was careless at that point and I was reckless. And I had stress and anxiety that ran so high that my hair would shed into bald spots. I, and it wasn't until that point where I looked down at myself and saw my body, did I realize that something is going on and I can't numb myself out any longer. I had gained 45 pounds, 5'2", and I gained 45 pounds, and I decided I needed help. You know, the, the body is a physical manifestation of the mind. And so when we can't hear the pain when it's just whispering to us, it shows up in the body so that we can pay attention to whatever our internal states is telling us. And so that, that really got my attention, the fact that I gained so much weight and it felt like it was sudden because I was so numb to it. I was constantly escaping that pain. And um, I decided to go ask for help and I, I went to see a school psychologist. And this was a very pivotal point in my life because when I went to see this psychologist, she was very quick to you know, tell me that I had depression and that was when I was aware that I had the depression and, and immediately just wrote a script for um, antidepressants. Sure. That's what they do. Right. And I, I do want to preface this is that some people in their journey need to have medication to help them. But what I knew for me in my journey is that during that moment, my conscience told me that taking medication was not the path for me. I had seen my friends growing up take medication from a very young age, and they constantly struggle with wanting to be themselves, but they can't because they're, they, they feel like they, they tell me they feel like zombies. And this was, this is what I experienced growing up. And so I, uh, it was kind of high in my mind when she told me, you know, here, here you go. So I just said, no, thank you. And it was very empowering for me because that was a moment when I was like, okay, it doesn't seem like anything outside of me is going to help me. And I need to look inward at this point. I need to really face whatever the heck it is that I'm going through because at the end of the day, I want to be here. I feel like I have a larger purpose and a calling and, and I need to be here and I need to get better. And um, I think what motivated me, the, motivated me the most was my mom and you know knowing that she was a single mother raising two younger siblings and wanting to be this role model for my, for my younger siblings. So I started by eliminating everything that was no longer serving me. I looked at my friends and, and who, who were friends and who weren't and I, I just separated myself. I looked at my diet um, and I completely changed my diet around. I started informing myself through watching documentaries on Netflix at the time. Um, and I got really informed about food and what it was doing to my body, what it was doing to the way that I was thinking. And I eliminated alcohol completely and drugs completely cold um, out of my life. Yeah. Cold wow. turkey. Cause at that point it was like, I can't deal with this anymore. And the pain is just, it's just too real and I need to do something about it. And, um, so that's when I got into fitness and, uh, that became a new extreme for me. And that became a new way to just not think about it. I would go into the gym and, and I would focus all of my energy on building those muscles. And, um, it felt so good. It, it was sending, you know, these serotonin and dopamine through my body that just made me feel great. Yeah. And, and in a sense, I use that to still not think about what it was that I was going through. I would listen to really tough music and I would just be like this hard body. And um, I decided to sign up for a bodybuilding competition. And, you know, I, I realized, you know, this this might help me find greater meaning. And what was interesting is at the time, Instagram had just started 
and I had opened an account that was anonymous and I was just sharing my fitness journey. I never showed my face. I would just show the foods that I was eating and my transformations. And I started getting tons of followers from all around the all around the world that I was learning. I was like, well, this is really cool. Like I'm a little, I'm a college girl in a dorm room and people are connecting with me from all over the place. And I was so vulnerable because I was anonymous that I started getting, I would get hundreds of messages from women and people that were dealing with similar things of, of this depression that I was going through. And, and they would just really connect to my words because they were so relatable. What I was sharing to them was what I wanted to tell myself. And, uh, I started, I started building up this following and I was like, like, wow, this feels awesome because I feel like I have a greater purpose. I feel like I have meaning now. You know, there's people that are encouraging me on this bodybuilding journey up until being on that stage. And I thought to myself, okay, well, now if I have a nice body and um, I have a healthy body, then maybe my life will change. Maybe when this dream body comes, my life is going to change. So being that day, my goal was just to be on that stage and to do it that one time because I knew that long term, it wasn't a healthy thing to do. So I made it onto the stage and I am elated. I mean, I am high in the sky. The day that the competition happened was also the same day that Lena had passed away. Um, that is my cousin. Like the anniversary of it? Not the, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was the anniversary of the day that she passed away. And so I really felt, I really felt, um, this, this support and this yeah. energy and um, you, you think that when you have the nice body and when you have all these things that are once again outside of you, you know, it could be money, it could be fame, whatever it is that you have, that, that somehow your life is going to change and, and you'll feel better. But I had actually hit my depression the worst that it had ever gone. I was like, wow, at this point, I still feel unhappy. I still feel depressed. And I became suicidal. Wow. I got to a point where... Um, I was just living to exist. I was like, none of this makes sense anymore. I don't want to be here. But I never got to that point of really wanting to do anything to harm myself. It was just living to exist. And, and that to me is suicidal. Waking up every day, not feeling motivated to do anything, feeling like the world around you is completely colored and gray, not being able to really connect with other people or connecting with people through pain only. Um, it, it's like suicide, even if you're still here. Uh, and, and I believe that a lot of us can experience that in our in our day to day lives of this feeling of just being so depressed that you're not really living and you're not going after that fulfilling life that you're looking for. And, um, and so it got, it got really bad at that point. I had spent five days, um, without sleep. I had terrible insomnia and, um, it got to a point where I completely lost awareness of who I was. And I had to get taken by my best friend's mom, who I contacted, just thinking that, okay, maybe my best friend's mom, she has a um, psychology degree from Cornell. Maybe she knows something about what's going on with me. And so I had contacted her and I just said, I need help. I don't know what's going on. And she had taken me to several doctors. And it wasn't until she took me to a holistic Ayurvedic doctor that my life had completely changed. Mm. I went to this doctor and he happened to be in my hometown, um, which was in Worcester, Massachusetts. I'm in upstate New York now. And uh, we went there and he had spent three hours with me. And this was like nothing in the medical field that I had ever experienced before. And he, after spending three hours with me, questioning me, asking me really, really interesting questions that I hadn't been asked before. You know, how many hours do you sleep a day? What kinds of foods do you eat? Uh, and, and all that, that, that kind of information, he directed me to learn meditation and he showed me this brochure and it was the American meditation Institute. And I knew nothing about meditation at that time or self care, but I knew that this was speaking to me, whatever it is, it just makes sense. And so it just happened to be that this American meditation Institute was 30 minutes away from where I live currently. Yeah. <laughs> So I, uh, I went to the American Meditation Institute and I met uh, a man who is my meditation master. His name is Leonard Perlmutter. Yep. And he, he just knew how to work with my mind. He understood 
where, where my mind was and how to direct it. And by the end of that conversation, I knew nothing at that point. And he asked me, what do you want from me? What can I do to help you? And I said, I want you to be my teacher. And it was just very clear cut like that. And I remember taking my very first meditation class and Brian, I'm telling you, it was during this moment after doing the meditation that for the first time in my life, I had experienced this sense of peace and equanimity and safety and comfort as if I was in my mother's womb. It's, it's, it's interesting to relate that because you don't have much memory of when you're in your mother's womb. But if you think about it, that, that must be how it felt. It was just so comforting. And after that experience where, you know, the mind went from being scattered to being feeling peaceful for the first time, I was like, what is this? I want more of it. And I started to learn meditation. And at that time I had deleted my Instagram, my social media, and I really was committed to going inward and understanding who, who it is that I am, what is, what it is that I'm here for? You know, those essential questions, who, who am I? Why am I here? What am I to do? Where am I to go? And as I was going through this journey, I, I had this huge calling to, instead of graduate college and go into marketing that I had planned to do, I, I became a meditation teacher. And so that was the, the, the gist of, you know, my story and, and how I became that. It's this journey of looking inwards and finding answers within. And because I found those answers within, there's so much clarity that occurs from that. And, um, it's wonderful because I didn't have to go all the way to India to learn this, this, this meditation tradition that has been around for five, 6,000 years. It's the world's oldest health and wellness tradition, and it's called yoga science. And I didn't have to go to India. I learned it really close to my backyard. So it's, it's really interesting how it all worked out. And I couldn't be more grateful for the path that I had to go on in order to be where I am now. Wow. Um, there's so many moments I wanted to cut you off and ask you questions. I'm like, I got to just let this whole story come out. Um, there's, like, I want to I want to take us back to a few key things. I was feverishly trying to take notes, like ask about this, ask about this. Um, I was just curious, did you know? who Leonard Perlmutter was at the time, how big he is in the meditation community. Oh my goodness. So this is the funny story. I, so I had went with my best friend's mom and the whole time she was sitting there with this, this awe on her face. And she had, I, I was just like, why, why are you being so strange? And she was like, do you have any idea who this man is? Yeah. You just fell into his lap. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I was like, who, no, who is he? <laughs> and, um, she said that he's the world's most knowledgeable, respected meditation masters. And he is known in the mind body medicine as a pioneer. And yeah. he is the direct disciple of a man named Swami Rama, who was the first yogi to come to the West and introduce, um, yoga science and meditation to the West. And he got, tested by scientists they put is it called ekgs is it when you put it on the body yeah i EKGs? think so okay yeah. it's like those sticky things yeah, yeah yeah they put it on his body and he was able to show them by monitoring his internal states that he was able to control his heart rate and his pressure and even the temperature of his body he was able to change it by 10 degrees uh, and so that was, that was huge. And she was telling me all this and showed me all the books that she's collected through years. Um, and, and this was his direct disciple and that was his master. And I was just in completely in awe. And I, I was just like, wow, the universe is really gifting to me the support of people in order for me to get on this path. So it, it was, it's funny. I had no idea who, who he was. Yeah. Maybe it's better that way, but, um, yeah, when you mentioned his name, I was like, "Wow!" I don't, I don't know. If, like, obviously, you know now, but uh, at the time, that the person you happen to, you know, get connected with um, is is he's a legend in the meditation space in the U.S. That's pretty amazing. Um, all right, so I got I got to take us back to some of these moments, um, and I'm I'm probably gonna miss like half of them that I was like, "Oh, I got to ask about this one." But one of the things I'm really struck with is. When you're in the midst of 
and, and I hope none of how I phrase this is offensive, but feel free to tell me if it is, but what I would call really destructive behavior in college, um, you know, making the choices that you, you know, that were working against you that are not choices that you would be making today around the drugs and alcohol and the way you're treating yourself through your diet and, and your lifestyle. And then you had this moment where you look down and, you know, you're seeing, you're seeing your body and you're seeing what you're doing your, to yourself. And you have this shift. Like That's such a, that's, that's a huge change to make in an instant. And I'm so curious, like, what do you think fueled your ability to come out of that fog? And, you know, I asked, was it cold turkey? Like you stopped everything cold turkey. That's incredibly rare and so there must be something of just immense power that was able to pull you out of that i'm so curious and and i think for people listening like what is the difference here because that's not the experience that most people have what is it about you in that moment in your reflection in your mind you know what brought you out despite being in an unbelievably dark hole yeah, I'm so glad that you asked this because it, it is very rare. And I definitely don't recommend anyone to, you know, quit the things that they, the bad habits that they have cold turkey. And the way that I teach it today is ahimsa, which is a Sanskrit word for, for being kind to yourself along the process. But at that point, I was just so fed up. And what I think it is, is having the self-awareness and the self-awareness that brings on the ability to just make a decision deciding, deciding that this is not what I will live with anymore. This is not how I want to feel anymore. Because you, you might, it might sound like, like it, it, it kind of happened in an in instant, but this was, these were thoughts that I would get on a day-to-day basis of, of this feels terrible. You know, yeah. the, the thoughts that would come up through my ego, you know, this sucks. Like, Every, everything is 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 uh, is so gray and dark and, and gloomy. And so at that point, it's just I got so aware of it by seeing my body and, and looking down at my body that moment and, and recognizing how painful it was and how much pain that I was putting through my body. And I think at that moment, it was just a, a moment of having some self-love. Yes. And, and recognizing that that you're, you're some, you're here for a reason. You're here for a greater purpose. And what you're doing to yourself in this moment is not serving you in any way. And by having that self-awareness, it aided me to just make a decision and commit to it. And I had to do things outside of me in order to commit to it, like start making changes and, um, and, and doing the bodybuilding. I don't regret it at all because I signed you know, I, I signed a date to be on a stage at a specific time and everyone was, was waiting for me to, to do that. And so I had to stick to it. Um, so I think when you make a decision, naturally you begin to create ways and mechanisms so that you stick to that decision so long as you're committed to it. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it does. Okay. So, but it was, it wasn't like all of a sudden out of the blue. There, there was this building, this discord with how you were living, and then it came to this moment where um, enough was enough, and that moment of self-love shone through enough to, to break the cycle. Absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then so at that, when it got to that moment, it was easy to quit cold turkey. Yes. It was easy to say, it was easy to say, I'm, I'm not stuffing my face at four o'clock in the morning with buffalo chicken pizza. I'm not going to, um, you know, eat. Oh my goodness. In college at the time, I would eat six plates of food. I would go up oh. and down, back and forth and eat six plates of food. And um, I'm not going to continue to drink alcohol, you know, almost every day. And you know, smoke weed almost every day just to try to numb myself. Yeah. And I decided to make a difference and uh, in my in myself because I there was just this this calling to do something greater. And that was all I knew. I had this drive to just stay alive yeah. however I could, even though everything that my mind and body was telling me was to just shut down. Yeah. You know, don't stop trying. But I really had to be I really had to hear hear that inner whisper. You know, when that, that inner whisper that's telling you to keep going, keep trying, there's something, there's something out there for you. And I think this is true for every person that we're all here to serve a greater purpose than what we are aware of right now. And 
that's revealed to us when we can bring ourselves into the present moment. Depression is when we dwell on what happened in the past. And when we can look at depression and, and recognize that it's something that's happening in the past and we can be present, then we can really transform those old habitual thinking that created the depression in the first place. That's simply just not true. Yeah. So I can, yeah. you, you know, I can, I agree. <laughs> and that's yeah. a, that's a big part of, of my message. So I, I wholly mm -hmm. agree. I was about to ask you about the transition into bodybuilding, but let me come back to that because I'm right now I'm actually finding myself really curious in terms of the past, in terms of what is some really heavy baggage that was thrust upon you through your, your childhood, through the experience with your father and then losing your cousin. Did you ever do anything to deal with that? Was there a lot of, you know, at home, like, was there a lot of discussion about what was going on? Did you turn to anyone or was this like, this is life, it's tough, and we're going through this, but not to stop and validate the feelings and try to understand and unpack them. Like, did you ever face them in any of those moments? Or was it just there festering within? Oh, yeah, it was, it was, you know, during that moment, we had just moved to New York State, we were living in a super small mouse hole apartment. I was sharing a I was I was sharing a room with my sister and then I needed my own space so I lived on the couch in the living room. My mother shared a room with my brother and my sister had her own room and um we all dealt with it in our own personal way. Mm -hmm. I hadn't seen my mom drink alcohol until that period and um I there there are just some things that I don't even remember because yeah. the pain was so real and I I never faced it. I, I wanted to be strong. I wanted to show this, this strong figure for my siblings. I still wanted to be this great role model. And I thought by being a great role model that I have to display that, that I'm strong. I can, I can do this and I need to lead the way. And, um, I, I made it so that everyone in my family could really lean on me while yeah. dealing with my own pain and well, not really dealing with it, but by, while holding in that, that pain that I had, I just allowed everyone to lean in on me. And that's what, what made it even worse because yeah. I wasn't dealing with it, but I was using the pain that I had to really relate to the things that they were going through. But, you know, most of the times we didn't talk about it. Yeah. Things would happen because of it, but, um, we never talked about it. And it wasn't until years later that we learned, you know, uh, I, that, that I cried in the shower, that, that was my space to, to myself. Right. Um, and my sister would cry in the shower as well. And so would my brother, that, that was a space where you could just mask whatever it was that you were going through and not really have to talk about it. Yeah. The tears blend with the water and no one has to know. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, our, our family today is just, uh, it's so beautiful, the relationship that we have. And, um, I, I'd also love to share about my dad later on as well. Yeah. Um, I'm, yeah. I am curious about that. And I have to say, obviously I don't know your mother at all. I have this overwhelming feeling of like, what an amazing woman, <laughs> what I, you know, like, and like I say, like, I, I have no idea. Um, I don't know where she's at and, and how she's handling things, but you know, thinking about how she grew up, thinking about what she went through with your dad and, you know, to be left with three little kids and, and just kind of there in the middle with, with nothing, you know, um, and to keep pushing through and, uh, and, and the immigration story as well. Like there's gotta be, um, uh, I, I can't, I, <laughs> this is the problem I have with you, Sandy, is I find myself unable to put things into words too often. Um, <laughs> But I just I have this like this overall this feeling of warmth about who your mother must be from a, a strength and inspiration and beauty standpoint. And, you know, ups and downs, nobody's perfect, but uh, just just a bit of awe for what her life must be and the fact that she's still standing. Mm -hmm. Am I am I off base here? Is, is this? You are completely on point. I, I love my mother. I share her on um, Insta story all the time. And and I feel like that's when I get the most views. <laughs> So she's a little bit of a celebrity. Good for her. <laughs> she's, she's just so, she's very kind hearted despite all that she's gone through. What, what I love about my mother the most is her compassion because even though her mother had, had done these things to her terrible things when she was younger, I mean, yeah. she was a scapegoat of the family. She would be the one that would have to wake up at three o'clock in the morning while it was still dark and walk 
uh, all the way out to to the field and and you know provide a living for my grandmother who didn't even respect her and and my mom was trapped in the basement some of the times and yeah. got beat you know got beat some of the times and and my mom is able to still look at her mother with love and and always tell tell me you know when it's my grandma's birthday give her a call tell her happy birthday and that just shows me compassion wow. and and how powerful it is because it mends relationships and i'm sure my grandmother um is is aware of what she's done in the past and by my mother being so compassionate and forgiving, my grandmother is able to learn lessons that she might have not learned had my mom been um, regret, remorseful and, um, you know, been angry at her. So, see, this is where when I tell people that their reaction and the way that they handle things, and you know, me included, I'm people, and I have to tell myself this too sometimes, but it's a choice, and some people take great offense at that. You know, it's, well, I didn't ask for this situation. I didn't ask to be treated that way. What do you mean it's a choice? You know, what do you mean I shouldn't be upset by it? And it's not that you shouldn't be upset or you can't be hurt, but ultimately you do have a choice in how you respond. And it may be hard. You know, it doesn't, choice doesn't mean it's easy. Um, but what you, what you just talked about with your mother, like that is a really beautiful example of the power of that choice. And clearly that was not easy. Mm-hmm. So... Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing that. Of course. Um, we will get to your data, but one other thing I want to dig into from your story, because um, this this I actually find is a really common thing, and, and I suffered from this a bit myself. The first time I lost weight, I ended up way over-indexing on exercise, and, and I was bulimic, not by sticking my finger down my throat, but by exercising for hours and hours a day. And, you know, it was like exercise was my punishment. Exercise was how I undid the bad food choices that I was going to beat myself up over. If I didn't exercise, I was like a monster to be around because I would be so anxious about, you know, well, everything's going to fall apart now. So a lot of us who go through these health transformations towards what's quote unquote healthy, you know, working out, fitness, eating right, sometimes we take that um, mentality of excess and a bit of self-flagellation from the negative things we were doing. And we translate it into these things that outwardly are like, oh, that's great. They're going to the gym. It's like, well, but it's going to the gym for six hours and, you know, running yourself ragged and starving yourself. Is that good? We, We go in the other direction and we almost have the exact same underlying dysfunctions, but it's in the guise of something healthy. And so people don't necessarily call it out, but you recognized how unsustainable that ultimately was. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's funny because I remember when I had you as a guest on my podcast and I had asked you, is your quest to to exercise and, and run marathons, was that because of self-love? And you were like, actually, it's quite the opposite. Yeah. And um and I think that it was that case for me too. It's it's this it's weird because it's this it's this duality of one part of you that wants to get better. And so you're using this mechanism because it's better than drugs and alcohol. But then there's this other part of you at the same exact time that is using this mechanism in a way that is way too extreme and harmful to the body. Yeah. So it's, it's something that, you know, it wasn't until I had my meditation practice that I really uh, understood the the mind and and the things that we go through and how connected it is to the body and if i really want to transform my body then i need to transform what's going on in my mind and you know what's so interesting is that after that bodybuilding competition i gained more weight than i had ever had in my life oh wow so you go from and i was still eating healthy i was just eating normal portions because i was restricting myself for so long and so I weighed 165 pounds at my most. And I, that was from 120. Wow. Right? Yep. Five and two. And so, no, I, on stage, I was 115. And the most I weighed was 165 after the bodybuilding competition. Mm. And what a lot of people do is they revert back to being on that same 12 week plan so that they could, you know, get, get skinnier and all all that stuff. But I knew that this was going to be harmful to my metabolism. And, um, and so what was interesting was the more that I meditated and really committed to a practice every single day, 
the more that I was able to make better decisions about the food that I was eating. I wasn't stressed out about the foods that I was eating. I was no longer counting calories. I was no longer thinking about the macros on the plate and how much protein I need, how, how much uh, carbs I need, yeah. and how, how much, you know, and, and I started just listening to my body who, that is so intelligent that knows exactly what it needs. Yeah. And by listening to my body, I started eating healthier and started nourishing my body and choosing foods that make me feel good versus thinking about, okay, okay, this is this is what I have to eat at this moment and this is how it needs to be portioned. <laughs> and right. so it's completely different. And and by doing that, I naturally shed off all that weight. And it took me about a year and a half because this was just happening naturally um, with an exercising, you know, with going exercising for one hour a day, not, you know, not two hours like I did in the past. And um, it, it, it just shows, you know, it's, it's a reflection of what's going on in the mind. And it shows that when we can really tune in and listen to those inner whispers and our inner knowing then we retrieve the answers that we need in order to do the things that we do on a day-to-day -day basis in the outer world and do them well, do them skillfully and, you know, have this sense of happiness and fulfillment at the same time, even when things go downhill, yeah. right? I'm, I'm not coming here to say that, you know, I'm this meditation teacher and now all my problems are away. I'm still here because I still have work to do. Right. You're and, real. You're a real person. <laughs> of course. I'm, I'm still here because I have work to do. And same for, for all of us, no matter how much money we make or how much success we have, we're still here for, for that reason. And so meditation helps us to become more aware and we get into this place where the mind is relaxed and we're able to observe the mental activity without attachment without reaction or emotion. And we get to this place where we transcend beyond feelings and emotions and thoughts and the, the a tendency to criticize and analyze and judge. And we just be, yeah. and it's such a great moment because you, you're not being asked to be the roles that you play in your day to day life as, as a CEO or a boss or a coach or, or and whatever it is, you know, you're just asked to be. And, and that is the moment of surrender and peace that so many of us could benefit from experiencing just by practicing meditation. Yeah. Um, all right. I lied. I said, we we're going to talk about your dad, but I still got one other point is it, it's just, <laughs> I, I can't get off it when we, <laughs> When we're just talking through all this, you know, what I'm realizing is I'm thinking about some of the people that I've worked with and they talk about their past and, you know, like, oh, you know, so I started going to the gym, so I don't need to, I don't need to work on me. Like I'm making healthier choices. But the problem is when you don't do the self work, then the choices you make in the quote unquote healthy space or the non-healthy space, they're not right. They're extremes and they come and go. And so you, you didn't work on you. You just did something that was physically better and you, you know, you did it for good reasons, but you still had, you still had to, to get the clarity and the peace inside. Mm -hmm. And so it's no wonder that, you know, when the competition was over physically, you went in a different direction and then you had that, you know, five days of, of no sleep that sort of led you down the path ultimately, um, mm -hmm. to a level of destruction that you actually needed to go through to get to that place where you finally got the clarity, the help, the self work started. You're so right because there, my soul was just looking for something more, something right. greater. And it was, it was beyond the physical body. And, and so I kept, it, it kept looking for it and it kept putting me in situations where I had, to, where I needed it, where I needed to look for it because it's part of the path that, that I'm meant to embark on. And had that not happened, had I not competed in the bodybuilding competition and experienced all this, this exhaustion and this burnout, right. From just overworking myself in so many ways, uh, then I wouldn't be looking for self-care or meditation and, and so that is the very thing that I, I teach and I talk about today, especially to leaders who are constantly on the go, um, who don't slow down and, you know, wonder why it is that they feel exhausted or stuck. You know, we're, com we're compensating so much by, by, by not slowing down, by not pausing, by not doing the, the inner work and asking ourselves the questions and, and going on that self-discovery journey. Yeah. Okay. Now I'm going to get out of your way. What's... <laughs> So you have a relationship with your father today? You know what? what I didn't have 
Yeah. So I didn't have a relationship with my father for years after this, this whole experience for years. And it wasn't until this past this, this year, this year that, um, we, we started talking again and I learned out my father reached out to me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and I was very open to it. Um, I think that there was a lot of anger that was built up in me for years. The fact that, you know, he had left us and it caused a lot of issues in my, myself in my own relationships, right. With, with men. Sure. And, um, it wasn't until I did a lot of the inner work and asked myself the questions that I've been avoiding for years. Did I realize the role that my father played in my life and why things had to happen the way that they did. And so when he had reached out to me, it was actually because my grandmother um, was very sick. She's in Vietnam. Uh, this is a grandmother on my dad's side. Yeah. And um, because of this whole situation, he was actually separate from the family. Um, so when my grandmother was in the hospital bed and she was, um, you know, just, just not, not really looking too well, my father had called me to ask if I knew anything about it and we got into conversation and, uh, you know, I, I didn't get to make it to the, I did go to Vietnam this year. I didn't get to make it to see her in time. My grandmother unfortunately passed away, but this whole experience of my grandmother passing away connected me to my father and we started we started just, he asked me how I was doing, what I was doing. I told him about meditation and the things that I've been experiencing these past few years. And we got into such deep conversation. It was like, it was like zoning back into the, the, the the past as a child, but now with, with all this, with all this wisdom and this, this, this conversing going back and forth before it was just me listening. And now we're actually having a conversation and I realized, wow, this, this, wisdom and this this inner this inner wisdom that that I have so much of it comes from my father it's rooted in him and he understands me in ways that maybe my mother doesn't because she doesn't really understand meditation um and and all that stuff and he he would tell me he does it himself and um it was just very interesting to connect in that way and he just was speechless by the things that we were talking about and he said wow you know I I lived with regret for a really long time in my life and I got to a point where I couldn't even face you. I couldn't, I couldn't face my children. I couldn't face you with the things that I did and knowing how much that I hurt you. But seeing how you're doing right now just shows me that as a father, I did my job. And this is, this is beyond what any, any parent could ask for to see that their child has, has accumulated this wisdom that is beyond their own father. So that was what my father told me. And, um, it, it, I didn't even know what to say to that, you know? Um, and so, you know, we, we call each other here and there, but it just shows, it just shows, you know, that when you do the inner work and you really look at the dark stuff, it's not that scary. And it can be a very profound experience once you decide to look within and the mind is the problem. And the mind creates the problems, but the mind is also the solution. So when we can really understand that, then my goodness, the relationships that you have become deeper. The, the, the roles that you play in your life make more sense. There's so much more meaning and impact that you're making by just being. You're not trying to do anything else but to simply be the essence of that which you are. So that's um, I, I had to share that about my father because... Yeah. You know, I don't want to, I don't want the world to think of him as this terrible man. Um, he, we, we all have our ups and downs. And I think that it, it created, um, a lot of, a lot of passion in each of us to embark the journeys that, that we're all on right now. So. Yeah. And it, it reinforces your, your position on it and your relationship to him and what you just shared about the reconnection reinforces the message even further about what you've been through, what you were able to get to, despite, you know, what frankly are experiences that could destroy a person. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and, and again, getting to that choice comment we're making before in relation to your mother, like you could have chosen very differently in how you responded to your father this time around. Um, and the choice that you made it's it reinforces the beauty of your mind today and it's not necessarily about him it's about how you are with everything both yes. the then and the today it's 
know, it's like Oprah talks about um, forgiving the the man who sexually abused her. And, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people would hear that and, and be upset by it. The upset, you know, why would you forgive someone who did that? Mm-hmm. And it's the notion that it actually has nothing to do with him. You know, mm-hmm. her forgiving him doesn't change his world one, one way or the other. It's about the pain that she's carrying and mm-hmm. what, how she can relate to her life today. So it, there's, again, it's that word choice, isn't it? It is. Yeah. And, and you're so right because it's, I experienced so much pain from holding this grudge. And it's like when, when you hold onto a rope and, and you're playing tug of war with grudge and, and, and anger and sadness that, and you're just holding onto it, you're not going to win. Your hands are going to begin to bleed. It's going to start hurting. But if you can just simply let go and recognize that you're really doing this for you and that when you can let go and surrender to the lessons that you are to learn, then you experience that fulfillment because you're doing it because you deserve to be free of this grudge and this pain and this anger that you're feeling. So while on the outside looking in, you know, some people have asked me, you know, why, why my, his own sisters actually, you know, why are you talking to your father again? Like you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be talking to him. It, it, it's not really for my father. It's for me. And there's so much healing in that. So much healing. Yeah. God, Sandy, you, uh, you should be in your late seventies or early eighties for the amount of wisdom (laughs) and, uh, beauty on life that you have. I'm totally in awe. Um, God, I'm so glad we got to talk and I'm so glad I was able to speak, um, slightly more than I could over email about this. Cause there's, oh my God, what, um, what lessons and what power in your story. Thank you for sharing this. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a great dense conversation. And, um, yes, I do. I do get told about being, uh, older, but I am happy with being 26. Right yeah. Now. And I didn't just call you 80 something. I know like, you know, people should always be careful about talking about a woman's age and that was, <laughs> hopefully that was so over the top that you didn't actually think, I think you look that age. It's the wisdom. Oh no, not uh, at all. Oh yes. I'm, I'm no. used to that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then this seems totally out of place because it's like hyper marketing y, but, and we just had this really deep conversation. But where can people find you? <laughs> where, where, where can people, you know, not from a, a marketing or social media standpoint per se, but like there's so much to what you're doing. Um, we didn't even mention the name of your podcast, Yourself and Co., which I love that title, all about, you know, the letter you write to yourself, the message mm-hmm. for yourself about, who you are and and why you care about yourself and why you deserve and why you're capable. Um, so yes, where can people learn more about you and take in even more of the, I I know people are blown away right now, so they need to get more. Absolutely. So you can connect with me on Insta stories and Instagram. That's really where I, I love to hang out the most, and that's I, Sandy Vo, S-A-N-D-Y-V-O. And you can find out about more of my work on my website. It's sandyvo.com um, about the programs that I have, and I have an upcoming retreat um, that's happening as well. So you can find out more information on that by subscribing to my email list. And then I also have a transformational podcast that uh, Brian mentioned called Dear Self and Co. And super awesome. There's anonymous stories on there. There's stories from experts like Brian on there. And then there's there's soul conversations from me. So uh, yeah. those are my main ways that I love to to connect with everyone. So definitely please reach out to me. I'd love to talk more about this with anyone who needs it. Yeah. And, and of course, I'll link to everything. But I should just say the I in I Sandy Vo is the letter I, not the body part I. Yes. Um, Thank you. So I, I keep saying thank you. I keep saying how great it was, but I have to because thank you. And it was so great. Um, really powerful, Sandy. Really, really powerful discussion. Thank you, Brian. I'm so honored to be here too. And, and the message that you share of do a day is just so much in alignment with what I teach of, you know, focusing on that one thing at a time and focusing on the day that you have and how you can truly be alive today and, and not just live to exist, live to uh, serve your highest and greatest good, whatever that looks like. Yeah. I mean, thank you. 
There's a there's a quote from Buddha that I brought into um, my TED talk on do a day that it's never tomorrow and it's never yesterday. It's always only today, right now. Um, and of course, he didn't say that in English, so who knows how that actually was said? But that's like the essence of it all. It's it's only this moment, so why throw it away for the mistakes, the pain, the choices of yesterday, or everything that we have yet to face? And you. Um, you live a very clear life aligned to that. So yeah, of course you were a perfect fit for the show. Thank you, Ryan. Um, all right. With that, let's close things out. If you're willing to join me, you good? Yes. All right. Today is a new day. Go out and do it. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sandy. Awesome. Oh, that was incredible. I think Sandy's message Sandy's story and who she has become as an individual are just incredibly beautiful things. And uh, again, you know, I'm just, I'm amazed. I keep, I know I said it over and over during the episode uh, and I said it multiple times to Sandy outside of recording, but I, I just find myself floored. You know, I put myself back in the shoes she was in when she was going through everything as a child and with her family. And then this journey of destruction, self-destruction that she began, uh, you know, as a, as a result of all that, of the loss of the hurt that she felt and yet how she came out of it. But then it's what really blows my mind is the person she is today, you'd never know about any of that turmoil. And that to me is such a testament to the power of meditation, to the power of the path that she's gotten on. So if that's not an inspiration to people who are struggling with something similar to Sandy's or maybe similarly profound, I don't know what is. So I will wrap things up there. I invite everyone to continue to listen to the show, grab other episodes. Sandy's not the only unbelievable guest that I've had on. She's a good one. And I hope to have you back next time. Today's a new day, everyone. Please go out and do it.